that case. Hope not hates are basically controlling Britain. Hope not hate. An alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backwards thinking, virtue, sick, virtue signaling, fake news crazy. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. I am Matthew. I'm joined by my colleagues Joe. Good evening. And Sophia. Hey. How is everyone? Yeah, good. 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 Don't know why I said evening, but... <laughs> uh, well, by the time this goes out, uh, given the messing around we've been doing in rehearsals, it might be the evening for listeners. But we are, uh, we are at the end of another busy week. We're going to be talking about uh, Stephen Lennon, a.k.a. Tommy Robinson, Again, yes, and we're going to be talking about. Well, Sophia's going to be talking about Anjan Chowdhury. Yes, I will. And I'm going to cover some of the bomb threats that have been made against uh, uh, leading Democrats uh, in the U.S. But as I think is traditional when we do these uh, roundtable versions of our of our podcast, we're going to start with our kids, <laughs> Stephen Lennon. Ah, oh, um, it feels like this is all to we talk about. Like this has been like the never ending story. Um, so, yes, Tommy Robinson, Stephen Yaxley Lennon, um, was back in court on Tuesday at the Old Bailey. Um, for those of you who don't know, this has kind of been rumbling on all summer long. He's been arrested, he's been in prison, he's been out. Um, and basically, he was appearing at the Old Bailey on Tuesday, charged with making a broadcast likely to seriously prejudice a previous trial at Leeds Crown Court. I won't go through it all again, see earlier podcasts, <laughs> or see any newspaper in the country, everyone's covering it. Um, so he was going back in. Uh, for, for the trial, he'd been out on bail, um, and everyone gathered outside. Uh, there was all the press were there. Everyone gathered out the old Bailey. There was probably about one thousand, one and a half thousand of his supporters there, um, right on the main street outside the old Bailey. And it was the usual faces. Um, it was kind of all of his supporters. It was lots of four Britain flags, lots of Generation Identity flags, lots of Union Jacks. It was all you know. Everyone was there, um, waiting to see what happened. I think most people thought that perhaps he was going back into prison. Um, There'd all been all these legal issues in the run-up to it. He'd got rid of his solicitors, and no one was sure what's going to happen. The long and the short of it is, is nothing happened. Um, he's been released back on bail. We go back to the start. And basically, the judge, who was Judge Nicholas Hillard, said that he'd received a long letter from Tommy Robinson, but that the case was more complex than he first thought. Um, I don't know why it took this long to realise it was more <laughs> complex. But um, basically, Stephen Lennon uh, released a very, very long statement which kind of explained the whole case and he submitted it to the court and they've decided it's going to take longer to look at it um thankfully he read it out aloud outside the court case which took wow. about 45 minutes um and while everyone was trying to fall asleep and then he was losing his voice so you couldn't hear him it was quite the ordeal but basically it's now being referred up to the attorney general so this could i mean the long and the short of it is we're back at the beginning and it goes to the attorney general and this could take six months it could take even longer so um he's out on bail which means he's now free and ready to you know kind of essentially capitalize on his newfound international status and he's doing it he's having a great time isn't he i mean the sunday times said he's uh two million quid in donations since the court case started I know it's why he's wearing such dapper suits all the time um, yeah no there's no doubt I mean the New York Times sorry the, uh, the Times on Sunday also mentioned his new nearly million pound house that he's bought so um, the guy has done extremely well financially out of all of this um it's one of the things that's really annoying is when he talks about he's like a man of the people this is a guy with a number of houses huge amounts of cash but um he is no doubt now an international star. I mean, if we think about what happened, as soon as he left the court, he gave his long speech. 
Um, for people around him were really interesting. If we look at who was on the platform, actually, um, on Tuesday, there was Ezra Levant from Rebel Media, who is now back in bed with, very, very closely working together. Gerald Batten, the leader of UKIP, he was on the platform. Um, there was Kevin Carroll, his old kind of co-founder of the English Defence League, his cousin, so a lot of the old names were there. And then there were some big American names, the Middle East Forum were on the platform as well. He then gets whisked straight off to the House of Lords for a boozy lunch, according to The Sun. Um, and pictures emerge of him with several people from UKIP um, having drinks in the House of Lords. So there's Lord Pearson, who is a very, very old and very, very nasty character from UKIP. He's been around a long time, says some really, really extreme things about Muslims. He takes him for lunch with Gerard Batten, um, and then Tommy goes off to have quite the party. Um, nothing, nothing says anti-establishment like having a boozy lunch at the House of Lords. I know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's terrifying. And then, um, I mean, in, what's really worrying, actually, is um, off the platform, he insinuated that his plan now is he's going to spend his time on bail travelling the country whipping up the issue of grooming um, he kind of he didn't give any great detail what he was planning but he basically said he's going to go to every town and city across the country um, that was he has the money for it now he certainly has the money yeah um, and so he's no doubt attempting to use this issue and exploiting it to its fullest over the next few months so it could be a bit of a rough winter um, and then today news has literally just broken as we record this was we're recording on Thursday um, he's been invited to America which is one to watch by who? Um, so he's been invited over by the Middle East Forum this is the group in America run by or set up by Daniel Pipes um, this is a, an organisation that's got a long history of funding kind of anti-Muslim activism mm-hmm. um, they've funded loads of people the Danish Free Press Society Dispatch International Centre for Security Policy you name it they've listed a whole they're kind of connected to a whole load of big anti-Muslim groups but they're still mainstream they're not far right it's a really difficult no I mean I don't think they're mainstream Daniel Pipes for example is writing the foreword to Anne-Marie Waters' new book Anne-Marie Waters for those of you who don't know is a kind of very prominent kind of pretty extreme anti-Muslim mm. activist here in the UK who runs for Britain um, I think there was a time when someone like Daniel Pipes in the Middle East Forum would have been perceived as pretty kind of mainstream or just a conservative group uh, I'm not sure that's the case anymore this is now an organisation that is sending thousands of pounds to Britain to f- pay for demonstrations which have resulted in extreme violence on the streets of London that's not the activities I did not know that was a thing so they paid for the Tommy Robinson demonstrations in the summer that resulted in violence in London the attacking of policemen people ran- rampage across the streets attacking police horses this is not the actions of a, a mainstream organisation right? so they've invited him along with David Horowitz who, for those of you who don't know, is another unsavoury American character who seems to have a bit of a penchant for flooding money into European racists. Um, he's been doing this for ages as well. David Horowitz, Freedom Centre, have kind of got in on the act here. And they've been around for ages. They gave about 150 grand to Gert Wilders some years ago as well. So they've been pumping money into horrible people for ages. So they both invited him over. And so he's been invited to speak at something called the Conservative Opportunity Society, which sounds okay, but it's actually chairman is Steve King, another horrible character. <laughs> um, Steve King really is he a nasty is guy. Really nasty. They all seem to be licked for some reason. <laughs> I know it's terrible. It's a conspiracy. No, uh, I take that back. But um, Steve King is actually he's uh, he's really one to watch. He's actually uh, you you might know more about him, Matthew, but he's a Republican um, uh, congressman. He's uh, got some. He's been going more and more extreme. I mean, we've been looking at him at Hope Not Hate for quite some years through the anti-Muslim stuff. But just recently, he retweeted the British Nazi Mark Collett and kind of uh, put out that he, he supported a woman called Faith Goldie in a Canadian election recently. She's a like, pretty extreme white nationalist at the moment. You fourteen words type, and he's just been 
caught actually giving an interview to a identitarian magazine in Austria recently where he talked about kind of birth rates for whites. He talked about how Western civilization is better than everyone other. This guy's he seems to be going in a pretty extreme direction. Yeah, he's been going in that direction for a little while. I mean, I knew him when I worked over there and know him, but followed him. And he's always been one of the more extreme anti-immigrant voices on, on the Republican right. Um, he's from quite a... a He's from a rural area in western Iowa, a very, very evangelical Christian um, uh, district. So he's always been sort of in a safe district, uh, quite hardline, anti-immigrant. But that anti-immigrant rhetoric has has really transitioned over the last two to three years, dialed up like a lot of Republicans have since the election of Trump, Mm -hmm. but has veered off over from uh, we should uh, crack down on illegal immigration towards any immigration from people who aren't white is bad for our culture, quote-unquote. Yeah. I mean, actually, that's that what he said. That is a whole different scale. That's what he said to this identitarian magazine in Europe recently. He was literally talking about how Muslims and Latino immigration kind of threatens the West and, you know, like, talking about fertility rates for white yeah. people and stuff. He's, he's much more extreme, but this isn't a million miles away from the kind of rhetoric that Trump has been using, talking about how immigration undermines American quote-unquote culture. And and he's been using that quite a lot recently with the coming elections. Yeah, he, he Trump has been saying that, and Steve King kind of says the quiet bits out loud about specifically who they're talking about. So he's a really extreme character for, for, for Stephen Lennon to be um, associating with, given he, he's like constantly trying to uh, deny that he's an extremist, deny that he's far right, deny that he holds extreme views. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is really one to watch, right? Because it's a perfect example in some senses. We've got now it shows how internationally he is. We've got big names in America bringing him over. They said they've already got about six congressmen lined up to kind of get involved in this event. So yeah. there's a kind of relatively high up people. You've got international figures. You've got big levels of money. It's very archetypal of where the far right is internationally mm-hmm. at the moment. So what is Hope Not Hate doing about this? Well, we found out about this about an hour and a half ago, so give us a second, but we'll definitely be oh, I mean, we're definitely going to be looking into this, obviously. I mean, the thing is, they shouldn't let him in the country. I mean... The, you're not even just talking ethically, you're talking legally. Well, I think both. I mean, uh, if, I was, if I was the Americans, you know, having uh, a, an extreme character like Stephen Lennon in the country uh, is, uh, yeah. I would say it's a problem for them. But aside from that, he has a conviction for entering the United States on a a, a passport that wasn't his. He served 10 months in prison in the UK for uh, that criminal offence. And, you know, the US border control um, don't love people who break (laughs) American immigration laws to enter the country illegally. So, you know... Nor nor do, by the way, these six... Congressmen who that have got involved, who spend their entire time complaining about how people are entering the country illegally, yeah. and yet for this one they happen to quite like him, so they're going to roll out the red carpet. And, and the, aside from those sort of that specific offence that, that Lennon committed, um, American immigration rules are such that even if you've just been arrested. Um, you have to go through a much more stringent process for entering the US. You can't use the tourist, your know, Esther mm-hmm. scheme that, that most people will use, even if you've been arrested, which I think any listener to the Hope and Hate podcast knows he's been arrested a whole lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, it, I think it should be 
really difficult for him to enter the US. I, I think that will be interesting to see how the administration reacts to his application. I'll be shocked if they let him in. I mean, I've got a mate who was slightly naughty at a music festival about 10 years ago, and he still can't get back in. So if this is a guy who's constantly going to prison for fraud... Via, this is Tommy Robinson, by the way, not my friend. <laughs> um, but... Um, you know, I'd be surprised if they let him in, but we'll have to see. I mean, what? we're certainly going to be ramping up tension, uh, ramping up kind of politics here around the American administration. And that's what I want to ask about. Are we, if we campaign against this, and Tommy Robinson doesn't get in, in part because of our work, are we kind of helping his woe is me, I can't speak freely? Well, I, I, I think the, 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 the problem with um, that kind of campaign is it allows him to play the victim. And that allows him to get more publicity. But I think publicity is not a problem that he's got right now. You know, while he was out uh, on bail before this court case, he was featured on Newsnight, he had an interview with Sky News, he's been in the papers a lot. So I think the, the publicity question isn't isn't something we should, well, we should worry about it, but not giving him more publicity isn't an issue. And I think that giving him that platform, allowing him to have that platform of being in the United States... Uh, he will be all over Fox News. He'll be uh, uh, be given the the credibility of standing alongside elected members of of Congress. I think stopping that from happening is an important part of removing the veneer of respectability that he's trying to create create for himself. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree, actually. And, and quite frankly, I think everyone's exhausted of listening to Tommy Robinson's speeches where he complains about his freedom of speech being shut down while he gives those speeches on erected platforms, especially for him, outside major British institutions like Parliament and the Old Bailey. I mean, he stood there on Tuesday whinging about how he's persecuted and his voice is being shut down and he was stood on a platform with thousands of people in front of him and the whole world's press there. So um, I think we're beyond all that now. Talking of uh, Tommy Robinson staying out of prison... Shall we talk about Anjum Chowdhury? Yeah, who did just get out of prison. So, um, Anjum Chowdhury, how best to describe him? Uh, Joe, I think you want to take this one. Yeah, Anjum Chowdhury. Well, we've, again, another character who's been blighting our lives for the last 10 years is Anjum Chowdhury. Um, we started looking at him really closely in about 2010. He'd been around for many, many years before that, but Hope Not Hate started to look more concertedly at Islamist extremism around 2010, and we released a big report in 2013 on Anjum Chowdhury. Um, he is, or was the leader, or is the leader of a, a movement called Al Mujahirun, a very extreme kind of Islamist organisation that originally was a bit laughable. Kind of, you people would have seen the funny interviews of the kind of very him. small too. Very small. Oh yeah, I mean, in terms of the Muslim community in Britain, I mean, we're talking absolutely m- microscopic, but very extreme. And um, they started off as a bit of a joke and ended up becoming probably the or one of certainly one of the largest recruiting networks for the Islamic State in Europe across Europe. This became an international network that he was at the head of. Um, so I interviewed uh, Julie Siddiqui last week. She is she wears many hats. And a headscarf, actually, too. Um, she's a campaigner, an activist for women's rights. She works in Muslim-Jewish relations. Um, she is co-chair of Nisa Nashim, a Muslim-Jewish women network. And she actually debated Anjam Chadri on Newsnight um, some time ago, before the prison. Um, so it was interesting because she absolutely hates him. Uh, she thinks the damage she's caused to the Muslim community is immense. And she talked about how su- successful he was at getting a platform, being on the media, all pre-prison, of course. And um, in her opinion, he was 
charismatic and he said very provocative things. And so somehow he became the go-to person for media that want entertainment and they want someone who is quote-unquote Muslim. Um, and, and, and when she... I think she made a very good point. The whole interview will be published in LAMP uh, tomorrow. I mean, today, What's since LAMP? this is coming Just, out on Friday. I should know, but... Reminder, LAMP is a newsletter that deals everything to do with Islamophobia. It comes out every fortnight on Friday. And you, sub you can subscribe if you go on the hopenothate.org.uk website. Um, so the full interview will be there and she touches on many interesting points about the Muslim community, what needs to be done, its relationship with the government, which isn't always great. Um, but on Anjam Chowdhury, she talked about how important it was that the media doesn't give him the same treatment or similar treatment than the last time he was out. And I think that applies not just to Anjam Chowdhury, but... Uh, these people in general uh, because you're giving them the microphone by putting them on respectable established news networks I think that's I think that's spot on and and that analysis chimes with something that one of our colleagues Simon Murdoch wrote um, last week when we released a range of analysis ahead of Chowdhury's release from prison uh, Simon did a, a, a really interesting piece riffing off data and society the, the US based think tank Uh, who had looked into this amplification of, of extreme voices, and you know what are the what are the sort of themes that that uh, unite all of those different extreme voices? And you know the other the other point I think is really important is the extent to which Chowdhury and Lennon um, need each other. They thrive off each other. Mm -hmm. You know Lennon and and the others on the far right really want to lift up Chowdhury as a voice of Muslims because it serves their purpose. Yes, yeah, this is Muslim. Right. And, um, you know, the media have got a, a massive responsibility um, and, a, and a really, really serious one. You know, the situation is so fraught now that um, a, a headline in the wrong place could have real, real life uh, consequences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just to reiterate on that, I mean, first of all, I think actually a lot of the journalists have failed on that score again already, looking at how things have happened since he's been released. But, I mean, it is very difficult to underestimate how badly they dealt with Adam Chowdhury for a decade. Yeah. Um, like, whether or not it was his constant television and newspaper appearances off the back of this will be a good press story, this will get good pick-up, this will get mm -hmm. sold and sell newspapers, never thinking about the backlash on the broader Muslim community, yeah. the vast majority of which have continuously condemned him. Um, the idea of getting a good clip was far more important to too mm -hmm. many journalists than actually thinking about the consequences of that. Um, yeah. The consequences of that, in some senses, were, of course, the formation of the English Defence League, which was created in direct response to Andrew Chowdhury's the activities. The incident, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was a, he, there was a march in Luton um, when, when there was about returning soldiers, and that was the original one. The Poppy one was an, a later kind of flashpoint when Andrew yeah. Chowdhury's group burnt Poppy. But it, it's interesting because Julius Siddiqui was talking about how, at the start especially, but even after, he'd have like a handful of people, and then he'd just do something very provocative, take pictures, post them online, and it took a life of its own. Oh, I mean, he said this explicitly, right? So when we were doing a report, there was a period when Hope Not Hate, we'd go to every demonstration that happened, we'd, we'd go and kind of watch them and photograph them, and there was almost no, almost no one else there normally. Um, except occasionally a journalist would turn up and then there'd be a big story because they'd invariably say something extreme. But we once spoke to Andrew Chowdhury, and I remember him explicitly saying, the way I do things 
is, and he used an example where Wooten Bassett, where a lot of the, uh, the, the dead soldiers came back through Wooten Bassett, which became a real national symbol. He said he was going to have a demonstration in Wooten Bassett. Everyone went crazy about it. The Prime Minister spoke out about it. Every newspaper came out about it. Some of the newspapers printed his manifesto and those sorts of things. When he told us this story, he was laughing. Right? He was saying, it was almost, we were never going to have this demonstration. But just by calling it, we knew the press would react in this way and we got everything we want. He goes, we've never had to pay for a penny of PR ever. I think um, the media in general, all journalists should get some kind of course into how not to help extremists. Well, I mean, you plugged that data and site report about the oxygen of amplification. It is brilliant. Maybe we should put it on our social media again. Yeah, yeah, and um, the you know a, a short, challenging, focused analysis from Simon Murdoch is is on our is on our website, and we'll, we'll tweet Not it. Not only on. that, there's I think quite a few. P- really interesting pieces uh, on Anjum Chowdhury. Yeah, we've re-released a, a whole range of, um, well, we've re-released our, uh, the work we've done historically that, that Joe mentioned just now, um, alongside a really uh, strong, long read analysis from, from Nick Lowell's about uh, Chowdhury's role in um, uh, uh, fermenting this network of, of terrorism. Um, uh, Simon Murdoch's piece, and also a great piece from Joe. He's too... Uh, Shy to say it himself, but Joe's written a great piece about why. I don't why. think that's a problem. No, it's not usually a problem. I think he just forgot. <laughs> you were going to say it. I was about to. <laughs> uh, a piece by Joe about uh, why um, it's uh, the duty of anti-fascists to, to oppose this kind of Islamist extremism. That's a great. It's a great piece. Not just anti-fascists, to be honest. No, no, everyone. Sure. Yeah, yeah but from that specific perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But talking of um, uh, uh, violence and acts of terrorism, I want to move us on to uh, our last uh, piece. Uh, of news, which is uh, out of the US, where um, a series of packages containing suspected explosives have been left uh, either in the mailboxes or at the offices or at the homes of a range of really high profile um, uh, political leaders from the, the left Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, George Soros, uh, Democratic Representative Maxine Waters, Eric Holder, who was the former Attorney General. Um, uh, CNN uh, had a package left at their office, although it was addressed to John Lennon. Uh, John Lennon. John <laughs> Brennan. John Brennan, who used to be the uh, imagine, uh, who used to be the oh, uh, shocking. <laughs> John Brennan, who used to be the uh, 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 director of the CIA. And the thing that all of these people have in common is they are all um, in varying uh, uh, guises and formats uh, critics of uh, President uh, Trump. So it's obviously a, a tremendously worrying situation none of the uh, devices went off which is um, a huge relief the police are still investigating whether the devices were um, uh, 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 what's the word they use whether you know viable uh, right. whether the, the devices were viable or not but even if they weren't it's a it's a really worrying turn um, after you know two years and more of um, increasingly vitriolic um, and unpleasant rhetoric and and behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think is is really interesting for us, and something that we uh, think a lot about through the card newsletter, the Control All Right Delete newsletter that we uh, that we send each Sunday, um, is the misinformation and right wing conspiracy theories that came out almost instantly. I mean, it, you, you, I think that people would have been hearing these conspiracy theories at the same time that they were hearing the news that this thing was happening. Mm-hmm. In it was a knee jerk reaction. It was everywhere. Instant. Was, yeah. yeah, and it was like. A learned behaviour on the part of uh, right wing figures. It reminded me a bit of a bomb attack, no news yet, and then it's Islamist terrorists. Mm. Kind of reminded me a bit of that link that yeah. 
Yeah, and just to just to read some of the some of the things that the people on the right in the in the US have been saying. Um, uh, uh, Bill Mitchell, uh, Soros, astroturfing written all over it, so the media can paint the GOP as the dangerous mob, pure BS. He said Frank Gaffney, who we 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 know and have followed. Uh, none of the leftists ostensibly targeted for pipe bombs were actually at risk, since security details would be screening their mail. So let's determine not only who is really responsible for these bombs, but whether they were trying to deflect attention from the left's mob. Uh, Anne Coulter, uh, who is uh, well known to hope not hate uh, listeners, from the Haymarket riot to the Unibomber, bomb tactics bombs are a liberal tactic. Which is both I saw that tweet. I didn't understand it. Of and course. also, factually wrong, the Unabomber was anti-left uh, mm. and uh, lots of uh, the... It doesn't really matter, does it? It, it doesn't really matter. But, as yeah. many things as possible and seeing what sticks. Yeah, and a lot of these, a lot of these theories uh, are emanating from, um, you know, the old, uh, old favourites uh, from 4chan and from the Donald subreddit. You know, we've seen this stuff before uh, in terms of the, the conspiracy theory memes and the, the slurs against... Um, Progressives and people of color and, uh, and others, but I think this is something that is just that little, you know, again that dial up of of that ratcheting up of something's really really worrying. Mm. If you can't agree that you know that facts that these things happened, there's this alternate to reality. Um, when you're talking about acts of terrorism, uh, you know, it's one thing when you're arguing over whether unemployment statistics are accurate or not, but uh, whether the FBI is lying as part of a big conspiracy about acts of terrorism, I think that's really, really worrying. And again, another another instance of this being ratcheted up last night from uh, Donald Trump, who, despite these bomb attacks, uh, continued with the campaign rally, um, I think in Wisconsin, but mm. continued with his campaign rally, which I thought was extraordinary in I was itself. surprised by that. I presume that he would be... He'd- Sit in the Oval Office and give a talk. Uh, over, over, you know, talk about bringing the country together or whatever. I don't know how credible that would be, but that's just not normal behaviour for a president. Um, but he used the rally to blame the media for the atmosphere of division and, and partisan attacks that there have been, which is you know, bordering on gaslighting uh, the entire country. Um, he said the media, quote, has a responsibility to set a civil tone. Which is, you know, coming from Donald Trump. I mean, uh, you know, he he said that the media had exhibited what he called endless hostility um, and also uh, uh, talked about false attacks from the media against him. So I think this is a really, really worrying thing. One thing I should say we don't know uh, who carried out these attacks. We don't know where they, where they came from. This might be someone who's purely and simply trying to attract publicity, doesn't particularly have a political agenda for it. We don't know. We absolutely don't know. Everything yeah. political around an election. We've got to be careful, of course, because we don't know. But the evidence points in a certain direction, I guess, and so we can talk about that direction. And I think one of the things that I find most worrying is exactly is twofold. One is exactly what you're talking about, which is the initial reaction from the right. Um, the knee-jerk reaction of anything I disagree with is just not true. Um, but more broadly, I think it's about where this ends up, this politics that's increasingly we've seen in America, but I think increasingly we've seen in Europe, is I disagree with you, so you are a traitor. Um, mm. And this is, of course, we've seen the murder of Joe Cox MP in the UK. We've seen the attempted murder of Rosie Cooper MP in the UK. Um, we've seen this rhetoric get dialed up across Europe and in Britain, this idea that Tommy Robinson did it outside the court on Tuesday. He took it, looked at his baying mob of supporters and pointed at the media and said, these people are the enemy. And when we reduce these, when we end up with this sort of political discourse, which is traitor, if you disagree with me, 
um, then it's, I don't think, surprising that we see a rise in attacks against people of the other side of the spectrum. Also, I think it could also cause a greater impact elsewhere. I mean, we can't forget the death of Khashoggi, and yes, it has had a great... that had ha, has had repercussions, but journalists' lives are in danger, yeah. and I think the rhetoric doesn't help with tyrants thinking... Yeah. It's not important. I think I wonder if there's off the back of it. I mean, this is the one of the things that I, uh, I think it was Radio Four, but they were talking about this, and there was the death there, and it's almost like the answer was from the Saudis that um, oh, it was a rogue group, and it works on the basis that fake news is so prevalent now is that people are literally just saying things which are so incredible, but seem to be thinking it's okay to get away with it. Um, yeah. Like the idea that a government would come out and say something like that. and it's ba- Or even like with the Russians, with the skip hole poisonings, you know, they're here to look at the, the cathedral. It's almost like we've got to a stage in public discourse now, it which is everything so yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Just say what you want and it doesn't matter anymore, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. All right, well, that's it for this week. I just want to uh, indulge, if you'll indulge us, listeners, uh, we want to give a shout-out to our colleague, uh, Nick Spooner, who was at the Pitch for Hope contest last week this is a contest pitch for hope Uh, sorry uh, (laughs) i'm excited about it on the edge of the seat pitch for hope is a a contest run jointly by chelsea football club bear with me bear with me and the world jewish congress uh uh to uh where where different organizations and people could come in and pitch their idea uh kind of like a, a dragon's den for um, changing the world and 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 countering uh, hateful this should be more uh, of speech. that speech it, it was re- it was I, I couldn't be there because I was at the parliamentary launch of the um, fair hope and loss report which people should also read um, but uh, judging by the pictures and all of the excited messages from people who were at the pitch for hope event it looked fantastic it looked really really enjoyable as an evening and the great news is that Nick won Nick yeah. Uh, yeah, his yeah, pitch yeah, yeah. Um, as someone who was there it was very interesting especially as the judges really delayed the announcement of the winner it's like <laughs> and now we will oh hang on wait we're going to wait a few more minutes just just to increase tension and it worked like at that point I was like okay just, just tell us <laughs> um, so that's a great uh, a great thing for Nick and a great thing for, for Hope Not Hate um, and there was Football. A free football, um, free buffer a bit as well. <laughs> yep, and they had the chef that cut the salmon. The important thing is that Nick's project uh, to counter online uh, radicalization and offline hate has been funded, and it will result in um, a range of trainings and um, uh, uh, guidance sessions at campuses across the country uh, to help young people um, identify and counter uh, hate speech that they they see online. So. Uh, just a big shout out to Nick and uh, really looking forward to seeing what he does with that. Uh, I also just want to give a shout out to the Hope Action Fund. Um, we've now gone over 1,100 members. Um, this is a, a way of supporting the research and advocacy work that Hope Not Hate does. You can support us with a small monthly donation, become a member of the Hope Action Fund. If you can do that, um, uh, you will make a big difference to the work we do. And you can join by going to hopenothate.org.uk slash hope hyphen fund (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, lastly before we leave I just want to give another plug to ask uh, anyone who's listened all the way to the end you must enjoy this podcast to some extent Uh, you either enjoy it or you're listening on behalf of uh, Breitbart to write one of the shit stories that they do every now and again Uh, so if you do uh, enjoy if you do enjoy uh, this podcast please leave a review and rate the podcast on the platform that you use to listen to this it really does help more people uh, find 
uh, find this and uh, help us uh, uh, reach a, a bigger audience. So uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you to everyone who already has and talk to you next week. Cheers. Bye.